Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Oh, good morning, everyone. How are we this morning? Oh, good. Let me take a look at you. You're beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Not as beautiful as my wife sitting in the front row. Brownie points are always good. Praise the Lord. Is everyone good this morning? Everybody awake? Man, you guys are the real Christians getting to church this early. My kids are still in bed, I think. Babe, are our kids still in bed? Oh, they're cooking lunch. Praise the Lord. How good is that? Maybe I'll let someone else preach. I'll just go home now for an early lunch. What do you think? No, come on. Let's, uh, let's pray and, uh, and let's, uh, let's get serious. It's going to be very hard for me to get serious, but let's get serious nonetheless. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, your word declares of itself that it is life and it is power. Lord, it's like a two-edged sword that can cut to the very separation of our soul and spirit. And I pray today as we look into your word, Lord, as we glean from what you have said to us, Lord, that it would change us from the inside out, that it would conform us more into the image of Christ today so that we may leave this place on mission, ready to do all that you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, firstly, thank you, Pastor Ross, for inviting me. It's a great honor and a great privilege to be here. And church, can I just say, we have an amazing church. We have an incredible church. I've had the privilege of seeing lots of different churches in different parts of the world. And I've got to say, this is one of the world's great churches. And I don't just say that as a throwaway statement. I say that, yeah. I say that because we've gone through a pretty rough couple of years, wouldn't you agree? Everybody's experience over the last couple of years has been different in some way, shape or form. And there's a lot of churches that didn't survive the last two years with the, with the same level of strength that Macquarie Life has survived and not just survived but thrived and so I I think that doesn't happen by accident I think it doesn't happen because of wishful thinking I don't think it happens because oh we've just been here for a long time and people know us none of that uh, none of that really matters what it comes down to is great leadership great leadership great faith and I just want to from my family to you thank you for kind of adopting us into your family and when we were going through a difficult difficult time Macquarie has been such a warm place for us to just land and just sense God and, and whatnot. So, Roz and Mark, when you see him, thank you so much. You've been so kind and so warm to us, and you'll never know what that has meant to a family that has probably um, gone through a difficult season in our own life the last couple of years. And, in fact, Pastor Roz asked me to share a little bit about that. And, Dan, thanks for that lovely uh, introduction. I thought you could have added a couple more fancy things, which may have been a little bit, you know... But anyway, in the 10 a.m., yeah, when everyone's awake, me too, right? So here's the deal, here's the deal. My wife and I have been pastoring for about 20 years. We started in Sydney, out to Tamworth, and God called us to America. And, and for 20-some for years, we've been pastoring and leading, uh, having the privilege of leading God's people, teaching the Bible, and we've loved every minute of it. Well, sorry, let me, let, let, let me go back. We've loved almost every minute of the journey. Uh, up until about two years ago. No, we, we, were, we were in the States and we, we, I don't know if we're weird. I don't know if we're normal as pastors, but when we'd go to conferences and meet with pastors, the pastors would say, oh, it's so hard. It's so difficult. There's so many challenges. If I could just pastor but leave all the people off, you know, just if I could just have the church, forget the people. And I'd say, what's wrong with these pastors? There's something wrong with them. They're doing something wrong. Why are they always burnt out, tired, struggling, someone this, someone that? And to be honest with you, that had not been our story. 
our story, we grew up in a great church, in a great family. Uh, we'd gone from what seemed to be like a ministry that just kind of went from strength to strength and from, from glory to glory. And we just thought that's how it was. We just thought success is what happened. You serve Jesus and it's like the Christian love boat. Everybody's happy. There's a 24-7 spiritual buffet on order. That's what we were. I mean, people getting saved. The church was growing. People baptized in the Holy Ghost. It was great. But you, you know, but all the things, right? All the things. Do you think there, 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 that's success right there. And, uh, you know, you know uh, the last two years I've learned that what those pastors were saying was, uh, yeah, they, they, they had an element of truth to it. <laughs> there was an element of truth to what they were saying. Here we are, our whole family pastoring in America. Our church had just blossomed and God was being gracious and kind to us and doing good things and for, for whatever reason, we tried to bury it, but we'd had this sense that God had called us to Canada. And um, so we, we, we went about pursuing that. We packed everything up. We moved to Vancouver, um, British Columbia, to do whatever God had called us to do. And of course, in our mind, this season was going to be like every other season. It was going to go from glory to glory, strength to strength. And so we planted ourselves in the second most expensive city in all all of the world in terms of the living cost. We, we put our roots down there. We based ourselves in a church. We trusted and believed God. And for six months, not one skerrick of hope, not one invitation, not one church, nothing. It was like a barren wasteland. And it was like, what on earth is happening here? God, I am supposed to be successful in everything that I do. Right? Isn't that what the Bible teaches me? That I'll never have any trouble. There'll never be any affliction. There will never be any challenges. Right? This love boat is beginning to look like dad's old dinghy. It's broken down. It, hasn't, it doesn't hold water. You know what I'm saying? This is what life looks like at the moment. And then through a series of events and I suppose disappointments, we find ourselves on our way back to Australia after really believing and trusting God, having faith in God, babe, right? For 20 years, we got this word in our spirit that we'd lead something in Canada and it's been on our focus in the back of our mind. We tried to bury it, but it had been there so resonant. Here we are, supposedly standing in the middle of our promise, like Abraham finally seeing the birth of his son Isaac, only for it to come crashing down around us in the middle of a pandemic. So we thought, well, I tell you what, Australia's looking pretty good when it comes to the pandemic right now. Everyone's still floating around, kicking it at the beach. Been able to roam around in their LGA. So we thought, what the heck? Let's just go and plant a church. What can go wrong in the middle of a pandemic? Right? <laughs> I'm over it. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to break down on stage. But we launched out in faith to start a church. And guess what? It's pretty hard to start a church when you can't leave your home. It was either great faith or complete stupidity, one of the two. And I, we should do a poll, what you think it was. You know, we can put the scores up on the... Regardless of the outcome, I'm not pastoring a church at the moment. Our church plant is gone by the wayside. And to be honest with you, I don't know why. We worked hard. We prayed hard. We did everything that we knew to do. I prophesied over myself. <laughs> Heck, I took myself down. I, I, may have, I, may have, I may have crossed out of my LGA at one point to go and baptize myself at Merriweather just to make sure I was in the will of God. Life's hard. 
when you trust God and believe God and reorientate your life around the things of God and it doesn't work out the way you want. So what do you do? What do you do with this faith when it doesn't work out the way you want? You know, I've learned a couple of really hard lessons in the last couple of years about faith. And I just want to read you something very quickly. It's going to be so familiar. You're going to think, man, does this guy even teach the Bible? Right? Hebrews 11, chapter 1. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. For by it, elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things that are seen were not made of things that do not appear. In other words, faith is not a positive mental attitude. (laughs) We think it is, right? We think, if I just have enough faith, if I just stay positive, right? We think that faith is like wishful thinking or it's an emotion. I went to church this morning and I had my faith topped up, right? And maybe that has been what it has felt like, but I have learned the hard lesson of faith that faith is not some dispensation. It's not some emotion that you conjure. It's not something that you have to work and strive and strain. And I grew up in a Pentecostal church where I said, just have more faith. Having more faith is like going to God's gym. Faith is like a muscle, you've just got to exercise it. I've heard all those, and you've heard all those things as well. And they're great when things are going well. When you're on top of the world, when business is soaring, where family's good and the kids aren't fighting and you haven't kicked the cat for a week. Things are good, it's easy to have faith. But when things are tough, when you're facing that diagnosis, when business isn't the way you thought it was going to be, when the dream is not coming to fruition in the way that you thought it would come to fruition, it causes you to ask questions like, God, what are you doing? Where are you and why me? And maybe there's just a few people, maybe this word this morning is just an encouragement for but a few people, because everyone else I can tell has got great faith. But for the few in the building that don't have great faith like me this morning, I want to remind you that it's not an emotion, it's not a feeling. In fact, it's a gift from God. Your faith was given to you by God. Whether you feel it or not, whether you think it or not. Faith is a substance. It's something that has an, an activity attached to it. It has body. It has flesh. Evidence is something that you can take to the bank and prove right? That's what faith is. Faith is not just, oh, I had a positive feeling about it. Faith is, no, you have a resolute commitment and knowledge that God is faithful. In fact, did you know the gift of God is such a gift that you could not even receive Jesus without it? In fact, it was God, Romans chapter 12, says that God gives to each of us a measure of faith. What is that measure of faith? That is the faith to save. That's God's saving faith. See, salvation is not ours. We don't own our salvation. The Bible says that salvation belongs to the Lord. You were saved because God loved you so much that he placed faith in your heart to believe him for that which you couldn't attain on your own. Aren't you glad we serve a saving God? Aren't you glad we serve an incredible God? 
Aren't you glad that he's building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it? No devil in hell, no opposition that can come against you can thwart what God wants to do in your life. No disappointment, no failure, no wreckage, no relationship breakdown, no rebellious children can thwart what God wants to do in your life because your faith, your salvation, your breakthrough is not contingent on you alone. It starts with acknowledging that God put a seed of faith in your heart. He put a seed of faith in your heart to save you and to put you on that firm foundation in which to receive all that God has for you. But we read in Scripture, don't we? Chris, we read in Scripture that there is a spiritual gift of faith also. It's that faith that comes by the will of God that graces us to walk into the things that we wouldn't otherwise be able to walk into by our own strength. It's that faith for healing in your body. It's that faith for provision in your finances. It's that faith for that unsaved person in your workplace to come to the knowledge of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Can I encourage you today that no matter what you have gone through, if you would look at faith as something that you already have, not something that you have to conjure, then guess what? You already have everything you need to continue with what God has called you to do. Romans chapter 12, God has gifted you this faith. But James chapter 2 verse 17 says this, So also faith by itself, if not accompanied by works, is dead. But someone will say to you, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. What was the writer of the book of James saying? What was James saying? James was saying, hey, they're, 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 they're inseparable. You can't say I've got faith and not act upon it. You can't say I've got faith and it not manifests itself in the doing of good works towards somebody else. So I want to encourage you to use the faith that God has given you. It may be a mustard seed. It may be smaller than a mustard seed on its way to becoming a mustard seed. But guess what? You've got the gift. God's given it to you. I would encourage you to be somebody that looks for opportunities to step out in the faith that God has given you. Hebrews chapter 11. Remember we started with that one? Let's go back and look at that in your own time. Here's some homework. I know we've got a lot of teachers in... I'm not a teacher. In fact, I would have been your worst nightmare in school. So that's proof that God is real. <laughs> Here's your homework. Read Hebrews chapter 11. For the sake of time, I can't go into it now. But look at all the many and varied heroes of faith throughout the Bible. And then correspond what you read in Hebrews 11 with their story in the Old Testament. And you will see archetype throughout the scripture of what it is to walk by faith. Guess what? Not one of these people outside of Jesus got it right every time. Not one of them was perfect. Not one of them lived a life without a failure in some way, shape or form. In fact, some of them died not experiencing the fullness of the dream that God had given them. What do you do with that? What do you do with that? When you could believe and trust, here's what I do with that. Sometimes the vision, the dream that we have for our life, for our family, for Jesus and his role in our life is so small that it doesn't span the season of our immediate existence. Whereas when I read the scripture, I see men and women of God who died in faith. Why? Because they had a vision that went beyond them. And that's what I love about this church. We have a vision that goes beyond us here and now. 
We have a vision to raise up generations and generations of young men and women that will lovingly serve and lead in their community, in their school, in their workplace, in their home. See, we have to be people that have faith for something bigger than ourselves. And I want to encourage you today, if you've lost faith, it's an oxymoron that term because you can't lose something that God has given you. (laughs) Maybe it's more like we need to reignite faith or reshape the way we think about faith, or re-engage with our faith in a greater level. And maybe, just maybe, the few minutes I've got remaining, take a few key leaves out of this woman's book. Luke chapter 8, verse 4. It says, As Jesus went, people pressed around about him. There was a woman there who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she spent all of her living on physicians... She could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched him on the fringe of her garment and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And when Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all had denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds are surrounding you. Everyone's here is what he's saying. How could you know if possibly anybody touched you? It says, and then when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came up trembling and falling down before him and declared in the presence of all the people that were there why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he, Jesus speaking, said to her daughter, I love that, not woman, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. There's lots of trouble in this world that can make our heart and our soul unwell. Imagine what it would have been like for this woman internal bleeding, hemorrhaging. Literally the life draining out of her for 12 years, exhausting every medical option that she had, thinking that maybe it was somehow her fault or something that she'd done or a failure that she'd perpetuated somewhere along the line. Only for culture to reinforce in that day that, no, no, you need to be under Jewish law. You must be separated for seven days. Well, if you've been bleeding for 12 years, guess what? You spent a lifetime in isolation separation can you imagine what it would have been like to be separated from friends family not for two years during a pandemic (laughs) not trying to make light of that but for 12 years being scorned mocked ridiculed oppressed pushed down this was a powerful woman of faith why because in the midst of one of the darkest challenges of her life Something within her, dare I say it, a gift of faith, caused her to look to Jesus and pursue Jesus in the middle of a challenge. If I've learned anything through this season of my life, which I still don't understand, and have given up on the post-mortem, <laughs> I've just kept pursuing Jesus. Just keep my eyes on him. Not like entitled, you owe me something, God. Notice she didn't strut up to Jesus. She didn't. She postured herself with humility. And she came up behind Jesus and she, did, she, she didn't yank at him. She just simply touched him. She just simply, she, she, she looked for Jesus in the middle of a challenge. She postured herself. When, when, you're, when, you're, when you're on your knees in the middle of a crowd, can't tell me you didn't get a couple of kicks along the way. I reckon she was probably given a couple of elbows and, you know, she probably went out a couple of times under a HIA. Kaylin Ponga. We won't go there, though. We won't go there, though. I'm a Sharks fan. Let's go, Sharkies. 
Oh, I've got 57 seconds to go. I've got to preach. I've got at least 124 more points to get through. No, but she postured herself, right? And she would have had a couple of kicks in the teeth along the way, but do you think that deterred her? When you understand that faith is not something that you conjure, that that's something that you respond out of, it sometimes causes you to do unusual things. And she pushed past the stigmatism of her affliction. And she pushed past the resistance of her circumstances. She pushed past the things that were trying to keep her away from Jesus. Friend, Jesus promised, he prophesied that in this life you will have trouble. Thanks, Jesus. You will have trouble. But do not lose heart. We forget to preach this. He says, do not lose heart, for I have overcome the world. When you let your faith inform your actions, it will cause you to do things that will keep you on route to your healing, on route to your breakthrough, and on route to the things that God has got for your life. So position, position, posture yourself. Pursue Jesus in the middle of your challenge. Push through the crowds of opposition. Lay hold of the gift that God has given you by faith. And finally, finally, don't stop reaching for the impossible. One thing a hard season will do in your life is to cause you to doubt and to fear. It will cause you to lack the confidence that you once had. You may be here this morning, this morning wondering if that young person in your family will ever come back to Jesus. Come on, don't lose heart. You know what I love about this church? There's grey hair everywhere. I feel right at home. I love it. And you know the wonderful thing about grey hair? Is you've done a bit of life. You've walked a few trails. You've seen the ups, the downs and everything in between. And you're here. And the tendency to think when we age that we haven't got anything to offer could not be further from the truth. In fact, it's your age, your wisdom, your dignity, your faith that my generation need to see. Don't ever be ashamed of what God has given you. Those grey hairs are, they're like, they're, like, they're like medals. Now, thank you for it. There's young blokes like me that feel like giving up. You know, the enemy would say this to me time and time again. Adam, you'll never preach again. Adam, you'll never preach again. Well, I don't know what I'm doing right now, but kind of. <laughs> The devil is a liar and God is faithful. And no matter what you've gone through, what you're going through, guess what? God has already provided a way through like a ram in the thicket, like a saviour on a cross, like a sweet message that comes at just the right time. We want to remind you, God is for you. He is not against you. He's a loving father that will not give you a stone when you ask for bread or a snake when you ask for a fish. I don't know. Do you like fill out a fish? I do. But God's got so much more for you, church. He's got so much more for me, thank God. I wonder, a couple of minutes that I've got remaining this morning, if there's some people in the room that don't need to conjure faith, you just need to stand in faith again. And just trust that that gift, as the Bible says, comes from incorruptible seed. That the enemy has tried to steal from you, but the Lord desires to repay back seven times. Maybe you're going through something right now. 
that's causing somewhat of a crisis of faith. Or maybe you just need to stand and believe again. Not conjure, not work, not muster, but just stand in the knowledge that He is good and that He has power, wonder-working power (laughs) in the name of Jesus. So maybe while every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I don't know about you, I just sense a sweet presence of God here this morning. Jesus said, I'm building my church with living stones. (laughs) Friend, that's you. Jesus wants to build into you a resilience. Reignite your passion. Stir your dream. Pour fuel on the fire that's within you. that's you this morning, maybe there's a loved one that's away from the Lord, or you need healing in your body this morning. Faith is not a feeling, it's an action. And I would ask you where you are right now in your seat to stand to your feet because I want to pray a prayer of faith over your life and over your situation right now. If that's you, come on quickly, stand to your feet. Father, I thank you for those that are standing this morning, those that are standing in faith, that are re-engaging with that gift that you've given us, to believe you for the things that we have not yet seen. Father, I don't know every situation, Lord, but you do. You see intimately and you are acquainted with everybody's pain. You're our suffering saviour and our reigning king. And there is nothing that is impossible for you. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would stir faith in every heart that that gift that you have given them to believe you for the impossible will be front and centre in their heart and mind, that they would sense you breathing on them right now, the breath of life, that they would sense you breathing over them hope, breathing over them faith, breathing over them promise, breathing, reignite dreams, heal bodies, save young people, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. While every head's bowed, every eye's closed, let me ask you this. Maybe you're here today and you're far from Jesus or you've never asked Him to come into your life and be your Lord, your Savior, and your friend. I want to let you know we serve a good God who desires not to onboard you into a religion, but to greet you into relationship. He wants to forgive you of your sin and make you right with him. And if that's you this morning, while every head's bowed, every eye's closed, say, Pastor Adam, pray for me. If that's you, would you lift your hand? I'd love to pray a prayer with you this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. Amen. Amen, church. God bless you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.